<laughs> making the world a better place <laughs> one show at a time. The George Wilder Jr. Show is now, the George Wilder Jr. Show is now on the air. <laughs> All right. Chicago's finest internet radio show, making a world a better place, one show at a time. The George Water Jr. Show is now on the air. Take it away, Dad. All right, welcome to the George Water Jr. Show on Block Talk Radio. Sorry about that. We had a uh, malfunction or uh, technical glitch yesterday. We had a uh, malfunction or technical glitch yesterday and uh, we had to leave the air a bit early and uh, if anybody was uh, caught there i apologize okay but anyway welcome to the george wanda jr show it's always something happened this is uh internet radio so you know if things happen <laughs> and they will continue to happen but we'll try to do the best we can to keep things from happening but you know things like technical difficulties uh, a slowdown in the uh um, um, internet, but that that stuff happens. All right, welcome to the George Wilder Jr. Show once again. Once again, that's a beautiful day out here in the city of Chicago. At least the sun is shining. It's still cold for springtime, though. They say it, they say it's going to warm up, but it's still cold for springtime in the city of Chicago, and I'm sure some places around America and even the world. You know, everybody's still saying, "Where is spring? Where is it?" <laughs> well, it's not here yet, but, uh, you know, they're saying it's coming. Okay. All right. Um, former New York City Mayor Rudy Giuliani is joining Trump's legal team. Wow. That's the news of today. I mean, that's Rudy Giuliani. Another Trump ass kisser. Another Trump uh Surrogate. I mean, he's going to be all over the news, uh, cable news, defending Trump, this, um, this, um, lying his ass off like the rest of them, like most of them do, uh, in defense of Donald Trump. That's all we're going to get from him. He's a staunch Rudy Giuliani, the former mayor, former mayor of um, uh, New York City, is joining um, the Trump team. And I'm hearing that Trump is getting ready for the 2020 uh, re-election bid. What he should be doing is (laughs) gathering money uh, that he's going to need to pay all these attorneys. Uh, There was about seven lawyers that turned him down. So all he could come up with is Mayor uh, Rudy Giuliani, who, in my opinion, is a a has-been. And he's going to be all over 
the cable news, radio shows, television shows, you name it, defending Donald Trump when Donald Trump does something stupid and ignorant and says something asinine. He's going to be there to just, you know, uh, defend him when there is no way this is his actions are defendable. The former prosecutor said he hopes to negotiate an end to the special counsel investigation. So what he's, he's there, he's joining his team to try to stop Mueller from investigating Trump. Now, who in the hell is Rudy Giuliani to try to stop this investigation? And I'm so pissed off and angry at Mitch McConnell because Mitch McConnell said he will not bring it, bring it to a vote on the floor to protect Mueller's job to keep him from being fired. And now this asshole comes on and said he's going to negotiate an end to the special counsel investigation into the into Trump's collusion. Wow. I'm pretty sure that's why he got the job. Because I'm pretty sure um, Trump uh, interviewed him before he he uh, got this job, and Trump probably asked him, how are you going to kiss my ass, Rudy? Rudy, well, uh, Trump, I'm going to uh, try to negotiate an end to the investigation uh, in Russia. All right, you're hired. <laughs> That's all That's all Trump is looking for. That's all he wants. He wants people to try to help him cover up, help him defend his lies, help them. You know, I mean, he's looking for people to kiss his ass. And Rudy, I'm pretty sure, um, they've known each other a long time from my understanding. And Rudy's been kissing his ass ever since. Trump needed somebody in there that's going to kiss his ass. I want to say loyalty, but it's deeper than just loyalty. And Rudy Giuliani uh, uh, fits the bill for Trump. I don't know. I don't think he's better than some of the lawyers who have turned Trump down. Uh, uh, some of the prosecutors who have turned him down, because there's, there was a lot of them. There was even one, one prosecutor from Emmett that also turned Trump down. Trump needs lawyers. His lawyers need lawyers, and their lawyers need lawyers. Uh, a good lawyer, a decent lawyer, uh, an ethical lawyer would not have taken this case because you can see right through it. Trump is going down. There's too much garbage out here. I, obviously, Trump expects to be in court. If he's subpoenaed and if he's indicted, that's the end of his presidency. That's the end of it. And I think this is coming. And I think Mueller's just trying to uh, dot all I's, cross all the T's, and he's going to come up with indictments for Donald Trump. As as uh, Keith Olbermann, uh have said, uh, Mueller is not after Manafort. He's not after Pence. He's not after uh, uh, a lot of these other players uh in this game, he's after the enchilada, Donald Trump, and Donald knows this. I'm hearing that if Donald Trump tries to fire Mueller, he will be impeached. But that's, uh, you know, that's up in the air. Then Trump says he will not, he will not fire Mueller. But Trump's a liar. I mean, he changes his mind as as much as he breathes. You know, so, you know, there's no guarantee that Mueller will not lose his job. There's no guarantee of that. 
And there's no guarantee that Trump will be impeached if he tried to fire Mueller, if he did fire Mueller. Because Mitch McConnell, the, the Senate majority leader, he's a he's a no good liar also. So you you don't believe what's coming out of Washington anymore. The only thing, the best thing I think a lot of the people have in, the, in in this country is to vote, and they're trying to suppress the vote as we speak. Donald Trump and his goons are trying to figure out to stop you from voting so he can get reelected. The guy talked. The guy talked about being reelected the moment he was elected for the first time to office. It's crazy. And anyway, uh, former in New York City mayor, I was going to say NYC, uh, Mayor Rudy Giuliani is joining the Trump team. The former prosecutor said he hopes to negotiate an end to the special counsel investigation. I think that's not going to happen because Rudy Giuliani more likely is a crook himself. If you're working for Trump, you're a crook. Trump seems to taint everybody around him. You, you are a crook, you're a thug, you're a liar, and you're an ass kisser if you're working for Trump because he wants you to uh, make sure that you give him loyalty, lie for him, cover up. I mean, um, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, I mean, I don't know if you guys heard this, the, uh, heard of the other day, but I mean, I never saw nobody, I never heard someone so adamantly up Trump's butt than this woman the other day. I'm going to try and get a clip of that and let you hear how she was just so Trump's butt. I mean, you couldn't pry her out with a can opener. I mean, she was, I mean, she was defending Trump to the hilt and disparaging um, James Comey as if he was a piece of manure, you know? And uh, it was just, I could, I, I listened for a while, and I just couldn't listen no more. He was, she was just so, so uh, up his butt. It was just, and, sh and she was nonchalant about it. She wasn't shameful about it. She was proud to be there. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show. Let's see what it's, okay. President Donald Trump legal team has a new member, Rudy Giuliani, the former prosecutor of New, of New York City, Mayor told the Washington Post that he plans to help the president negotiate Robert Mueller's uh, an end to the uh, special counsel investigation. I'm quoting him here. He says, I'm doing it because I hope we can negotiate an end uh, to this for the good of the country, as if they thought about the good of the country. Give me a break. And because I have a high regard for the president and Bob Mueller. Give me a break. Uh, in addition, in addition to his status and personal friend Trump, okay, uh, Giuliani may add some value other in another area. He serves as as the U.S. Attorney for the Southern District of New York, where Trump, longtime personal lawyer Michael Cohen, is currently the subject of a far-reaching investigation. Trump allies fear Cohen might flip on the president. I'd flip. I mean, if I'm going <laughs> to, if it's going to take a shave a few years off my prison sentence, I'm going to flip. I don't think, I don't think Cohen is going to uh, just fall on a sword for Donald Trump and, and settle for 20 years in prison unless he, he uh, flips and tells what he knows because he knows a lot. He knows a lot. And Mueller knows a lot also. 
think uh, once this comes to light, someone's going to sit Trump down and say, hey, you better resign. We have too much dirt and garbage on you. You have to resign or you will be impeached and go to jail. Um, it's a lot to be discussed. It's a lot to talk about. I mean, this guy is uh, he's hiring all these lawyers to defend him. Basically, he's hiring all these lawyers to lie for him, to cover up for him, to kiss his ass. This is what this, these are the people he's hiring. And he has to pay these people. Trump don't Trump doesn't like to pay his bills. He gets pretty bitchy when he has to pay people who have done work for him. So I don't know <laughs> I don't know how they're gonna get paid, you know, because this guy he he doesn't like to pay bills. It's 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 all in uh uh files and records that, that this guy doesn't do it. And you got people out there saying he doesn't. There are people out there right now suing Trump to get paid on projects that were uh, that they worked on for him, you know, years, decades ago. They're suing him now as he's paying off hookers at, at the same time. I don't see how Trump can call himself a millionaire or a billionaire. I mean, he's paid off so many people to keep quiet and so many people are suing him. He's, he even he, he paid off a lot of these suits. That's why you don't see him in court, um, you know. So we'll just have to see where that goes. And uh, this this is something. This is something. Rudy Giuliani. Uh, wow, this should be. <laughs> this could be something. Uh, something he's hired to defend Donald Trump. You know, I mean, uh, Donald Trump couldn't get anybody better than that. Nobody wanted to take the job because they saw that this was a sinking ship, and they didn't want to get on board a, a sinking ship. And you really can't blame them. All right, my guest today is activist Sherry Sherry Edwards, and we're going to do a lot of commentating on the show. And I want to bring this up. Trump is saying that human trafficking is worse than it's ever been in the history of the world. Who gave him that line? Because that doesn't sound like that's something he would say. Somebody, somebody I'm pretty sure, told him that. Because Trump doesn't read. He doesn't research. He doesn't try to find anything out. People tell him stuff. The, the folks who are in his inner circle whisper stuff in his ear, and he comes out here and he tells it to us. Okay, Trump, uh, human trafficking is worse than it ever been in the history of the world. He got the spelling right anyway. Okay. Uh, human trafficking, okay, that's basically, it could be sexual, sex trafficking, or just the selling of one human 
being for another or something. It, it is bad. It is totally bad. And it's awful. I agree. But if it's, if it's coming from Donald Trump, he's blowing smoke. <laughs> he's talking out of his butt. He's just saying something to try to divert attention away from what we're already saying about it. Donald Trump is good at one thing, and I will say that is diversion. Try to divert you away. Some people said distraction. Either way, Donald Trump is good at that. Why? Because he's the president of the United States, and what he says matters. I've had people say, well, George, you know, uh, stop listening to him. Stop. You can't. He's the president of the United States. What he says matters. What he does matters. His actions matters because it affects the country. So you really can't ignore what he says. Even if what he's saying means nothing to him, he's just saying it to distract away from another matter that's crawling up his ass. Yeah, human trafficking is, is, is bad. I don't know if it's is it bad. I don't know if it is as bad as he say says it is bad in the history of the world. He's the worst president in the history of the world. If you want to talk about that, all right. Oklahoma wildfires. Uh, Oklahoma wildfires leave at least six, at least two people dead, twenty injured. Okay, Senate confirms climate change denier. Somebody who don't give a damn about the client knows nothing about the client thinks it a thinks it a it is a hoax. Uh, he has been confirmed uh, to that post to that cabinet. I mean, think about it, folks. I mean, every every uh, person that's been con- confirmed to Donald Trump's cabinet, they they are only there to cut, use, and misuse taxpayer funds. And um, and to be an idiot. Their job, their primary functions is to cut. Remember, Trump hasn't forgotten about his wall. I haven't heard anything about it so far. Maybe he has because he knows damn well he's not going to get it. Not with taxpayer funds. Justice Department reportedly releasing Comey's memo to the to Congress. Wow. Hmm. Uh, releasing Comey's memos to Congress. He's got a he's got a book out, folks, and it, it's uh, it's a tell-all book. And Trump is just livid. Yeah. Weird things. Weird things. Everyone ignores about Donald, and I don't know why she's still married to that guy. I guess the money's good. I guess she loves living in a mansion. And you wonder, where is Donald Trump's family? They're not in the White House. I don't think they're at Mar-a-Lago either. You know, he's at, you know, he's, he spent more time at Mar-a-Lago than he does the White House. And when he's at the White House, he does nothing. When he's at Mar-a-Lago, he does nothing if he's not playing golf. I mean, Trump does nothing. I'm hearing all he does is watch TV, watch Fox News, and eat hamburgers with dripping mustard. You know, so <laughs> we'll see where that goes. All right. His cabinet is a Rudy Awakened. That's what it's saying here on Huffington Post. Uh, yeah, he's another slime ball for Donald Trump. There's no doubt about it. And uh, 
I don't think he's going to the shit that's surrounding Trump. I don't think no lawyer in the world is going to be able to dig him out of it. If Stormy Daniels doesn't get him, the Russian investigation is going to get him. If the Russian investigation doesn't get him, lawsuits around his ankle is going to pull him down. His own mouth, he runs his mouth, blah, blah, blah. That's going to bring him down. He's going to need more than uh, Rudy Giuliani. Someone says, another turd floats to the top of the Trumpster's swamp. How corrupt has the Trumpster become that he needs a a despicable individual like Giuliani? My sentiments, exactly. Another turd, because, okay, all right, a lot of people, a lot of uh, American people, they don't approve of Rudy Giuliani. Uh, as you can tell, as I can tell by some of these posts, the first recorded instance of a rat jumping onto a sinking ship. I I just said that uh, Rudy Giuliani is not going to make any difference in Mueller's investigation. Mueller is not going to end his investigation because rotten teeth, yellow teeth, Rudy Giuliani has jumped on board a sinking ship because that's what he's done. Wow. And people all over the world, especially on Facebook and other social networks, are are commenting that this is just a, an atrocity. Rudy Giuliani is just another embarrassment for Donald Trump, and, and he doesn't even realize it himself. He doesn't realize it himself that he that this is a uh, an embarrassment. Giuliani should be investigated as well. He went to he went on TV right after right before the election, right before Comey came out and said that he was investigating Hillary's emails again. Uh, Giuliani stated that we were all in for a big surprise that will that would change everything, and it didn't change it. Didn't change much. Hillary won the popular vote. Donald Trump conned his way and blasted his way into the White House. Don the con, he conned his way into to the White House. And gullible people voted for him. Because we have the elect, electoral college. Um, and I know this is the talk of the cable network news is that Rudy Giuliani is on the Trump wagon. <laughs> and everybody thinks it's it's, it's a joke. It, it it is a joke. I think I think this is something that is not going to make a difference. I've said this several times. It's not going to make a difference in the um, Russian investigation because uh, uh, this is too far gone. It's too far ahead of Rudy Giuliani. Uh, he's going to get on Fox News and the radio shows and sprout his hate and lies, and and he'll have his head up Trump's butt, just like so many other of his, of Trump's surrogate, surrogates around uh, the America, defending uh, things that are indefensible, defending uh, things that you really cannot defend. But uh, this is going to be interesting, folks. It's going to be really interesting. The Junior Show is now on the air. 
This is what I call freedom. Thanks for joining us this hour. Happy to have you here. Um, I will say this is going to be sort of an interesting show tonight. There are a number of things that happened in important national news today uh, that, frankly, I'm, I'm not quite sure how to talk about them. Uh, but we're going to do it. This is a, it's a weird time in the news. There's no time to shy away from the weirdness. You just got to dive right in. Let's start with a subpoena. Uh, let's say you get subpoenaed by prosecutors. That subpoena directs you to hand over documents and materials. Now, 
You can fight that subpoena. You can argue over it in court. But ultimately, the point of a subpoena is that you are being asked, you're being directed to hand stuff over that is, is responsive to the prosecutor's demands. Now, let's say prosecutors have reason to believe that you can't be trusted to do that. They do want documents and materials from you because of some investigation that you're relevant to. They intend to get those documents and materials, but they don't trust you. They have reason not to trust you. They think if they issue you a subpoena, if they give you a demand to hand this stuff over, they think they have good reason to believe that you might, instead of handing them over, you might destroy those things or you might hide them or you might otherwise mess up the evidence that prosecutors are after. If that's the case, if prosecutors have reason to believe that you cannot be trusted to respond to a subpoena, they can kick it up a notch. They can go to a judge and ask a judge to approve a search warrant instead. With a search warrant, prosecutors are no longer asking you for anything. They're going into your home, your office, wherever, and they are taking what the warrant says they can take. Between a subpoena and a search warrant, a subpoena is definitely less intrusive. You're, you're, you are asked to hand stuff over, right? told to hand stuff over. With a search warrant, they're not asking, they're not telling, they are going in and taking it themselves. Well, last week, prosecutors in the Southern District of New York, federal prosecutors, decided that they wanted to obtain materials from the president's personal attorney, from Michael Cohen, not by asking Cohen for those materials or telling Cohen to hand those materials over, they decided they were going to get those materials by taking them themselves. And they explained why to the court. Quote, given that the crimes being investigated involve acts of concealment by Michael Cohen, the U.S. Attorney's Office in the Southern District of New York sought and obtained a search warrant rather than using a subpoena so that it would not have to rely on Cohen to accurately make such a production. So this is the federal prosecutor's office in New York City saying that Michael Cohen former Trump Organization executive and sometimes personal attorney to Donald Trump, maybe. Um, they're saying he's under criminal investigation. And the kinds of crimes for which he is under investigation justify getting a search warrant instead of just sending him a subpoena, basically because they don't trust him to respond to a subpoena. They say the crimes they're investigating him for involved acts of concealment. What are those acts of concealment? What are those crimes they're investigating him for? We don't know. Um, those are the parts that are redacted in the court filings. And it's always the most intriguing stuff that's redacted. Quote, on April 9th, 2018, agents from the New York field office of the FBI executed search warrants for Michael Cohen's residence, hotel room, office, safety deposit box, and electronic devices. The searches were authorized by a federal magistrate judge who had found probable cause to believe that the premises and devices searched contained evidence, fruits, and instrumentalities of conduct for which Cohen is under criminal investigation. Namely, big black box, redacted, redacted, redacted. Quote, each warrant was supported by a detailed affidavit and authorized by a federal magistrate judge who found probable cause to believe that the subject premises and devices contained evidence of... Redacted, redacted, redacted. <laughs> the U.S. Attorney's Office in the Southern District of New York had good cause to execute search warrants at Cohen's premises and seize certain electronic devices in lieu of less intrusive means. Why did they have that good cause to go after this stuff with a search warrant instead of less intrusive means? 
redacted, redacted, redacted. Quote, accordingly, the nature of the investigation and the nature of the offenses weighed heavily in favor of the decision to execute search warrants. Furthermore, in the course of its investigation, the U.S. Attorney's Office in the Southern District of New York has learned that redacted, redacted, redacted. As a result, absent a search warrant, these records could have been deleted without record. So they have very specific reasons, they say, uh, why they had to go after Michael Cohen with a search warrant. Why they used a search warrant, they didn't just subpoena Michael Cohen and tell him to hand this stuff over. They have very specific reasons why they had to go that much more aggressive route. And we have no idea what those specific reasons are, because it's all redacted. But you know, the judge in this case knows what those reasons are. These filings are not redacted for her. And in fact, the whole different judge who issued the search warrants in the first place, that judge, that federal magistrate judge, also heard prosecutors' evidence for why Michael Cohen, in their estimation, could not be trusted to hand over documents and materials on his own. They had to instead go this more aggressive route, go in and take stuff themselves without warning and without getting his permission. We do not know what those details are. We don't know what crimes he is suspected of. We don't know what they found in their initial investigation, which led them to believe that had they not gone in and taken those records, he might have destroyed them. They've got evidence that they gave to these judges, but we can't see it. So there is this riveting spectacle and scandal here, right? We, the public, can see the fight happening. And in fact, on a day like today, we could see that it was becoming a desperate fight, including by the president. But we can't necessarily tell what is leading to the desperation. We can't tell what's in those black boxes that appears to be freaking everybody out so much. And the New York Times over the last few days has described this fight over Michael Cohen and the FBI raiding his office. The New York Times is describing this based on multiple sources as something that the president perceives to be a more imminent threat to him than the special counsel investigation led by Robert Mueller. Imagine knowing what we know about the Robert Mueller investigation and then deciding that there's a legal threat that's worse than that. This case has led to strange revelations already, including the fact that the president's lawyer, Michael Cohen, now says he facilitated a gigantic $1.6 million payoff to the mistress of a Republican donor whose name has already come up nine ways to Sunday in conjunction with the Mueller investigation and who just resigned as deputy finance chair of the National Republican Party. Incidentally, Michael Cohen himself is still a deputy finance chair of the National Republican Party, even though we now know that he's under federal criminal investigation and getting raided by the FBI. At some point, will the RNC see it as a problem that one of their deputy national finance chairmen paid a one, uh, arranged a $1.6 million hush money payment for the mistress of another one of their national finance co-chairs? And the one with the mistress resigned, but the one who arranged the payment and is now under federal criminal investigation, he's still on the RNC. At some point, the National Republican Party should probably have to at least explain that um, if not explain it away. We also learned today that Michael Cohen admits to having only three clients in his legal practice over the past year. He admits to having President Trump as a client, um, also the Republican Party finance co-chair guy with the mistress, Elliot Brady, and the third client of his one-man law firm, um, he tried today to keep secret in court, saying his third client had directed him to appeal any effort to make his name public. Um, 
But then in court today, we got the name of Cohen's third client made public. And honestly, don't even ask me to tell you what it means that it's Sean Hannity. <laughs> but it's Sean Hannity from the Fox News Channel. Uh, Mr. Hannity has apparently been covering Michael Cohen's role in this story and this scandal for months, including the FBI raid on Michael Cohen last week, without ever disclosing that Michael Cohen is his lawyer. Again, don't even ask me. I have no idea. This is like every day you get up, take a shower, you get dressed, you go out to the driveway to start the car. Every day it's the same. You do this every single day of your life, except today you got in the car, you put the key into the start the engine put the key into the dashboard you went to turn it to start the engine like you do every day and today this time the engine didn't start and instead terrifying circus music started playing and the hood flew up and clowns and monkeys and elephants flew out instead like what it's who <laughs> you know sure go ahead make sense of that why don't you so the news the news has gone weird when the going gets weird, the weird turn pro. Um, but the law is still pretty orderly. And I have to tell you, we just got the transcript of what happened in this insane court hearing today. Um, there's no cameras. There's no recordings of what happens in federal court. Um, but we've got the transcript here. And in a way, it's sort of, I don't know if it's comforting. It, it, is, it is nutty that the personal lawyer of the president of the United States is under criminal investigation. And it's nutty that that criminal investigation, or at least the effort by federal prosecutors to obtain documentation related to that investigation, reportedly includes the porn star who the president's lawyer says he paid off right before the election to keep her from talking about her alleged sexual relationship with the president. And both Stormy Daniels and Michael Cohen were there in court today, in person, at the same time. And then the prosecutor's case for why it was okay for them to have raided this lawyer for the president is, is the prosecutor's contention that, A, they really needed to raid the president's lawyer, and, B, honestly, he's not doing much lawyering anyway. And part of the way that all got spelled out in court was with the president's lawyer revealing his previously secret dealings with the over-the-top pro-Trump cable news host and the deputy finance chairman of the RNC and his mistress and her abortion. It's all nuts. It's nuts. But I will tell you, it is an, an odd little bit of comfort that in court, even in a case this crazy, it at least all gets sorted out um, in a sort of orderly fashion. Quote, Judge Kimballwood, with respect to the client's name being withheld, that is not in accord with the law in this circuit. If you have a reason for that client's name to be treated under seal, you'll tell me. Yes. And Steve Ryan stands up. He's representing Michael Cohen. Your Honor, Steve Ryan. With respect to that client, the client is a publicly prominent individual. The representation was legal in analysis. With regard to naming that person now, the concern was that even if we put it in a sealed proceeding right now, that it might be released. If we could count on that not being released to the public, at this point, no one would want to be associated with the fact that they were a client in this way because of the notoriety around this search warrant. We're protecting the identity of that person, but not from the court and not from an in-camera review by the court. I can give you that name right now in a sealed envelope and provide it to the court. The client was contacted over the weekend and asked that we not disclose their name and further that we take an appeal if the court was going to make that name public. And the judge says... What's the legal ground for withholding the client's name? Steve Ryan says, the legal ground, Your Honor, is, first of all, Mr. Cohen's duty to the client under the bar codes that we've presented the court with. 
The judge says, well, remember that what we deal with here is federal law and Second Circuit law. Mr. Cohen's lawyer says, no, no, understood. I'm talking about the bar rules, meaning the legal ethics rules that govern Mr. Cohen's conduct in terms of releasing the name. The judge says, well, if I order that it be released, he has no problem with respect to his own ethics. Cohen's lawyer says, quote, if we give it to you and I have some assurance that we're not violating that client's right not to be disclosed publicly today, then I can do this. I can write it down and put it in an envelope right now. Judge says, quote, all right, if you hand the name up, I'll maintain it under seal. But it seems to me that the government, perhaps just Mr. McKay, the lead prosecutor, should know who it is so he can identify whether that person had any responsive documents. And now, in the transcript, new character, Mr. Balin. Who are you? Mr. Balin, your honor, I apologize for interrupting. I'm a lawyer representing the press, ABC, the New York Times, Associated Press, CNN, and Newsday. The judge says, quote, I think you'd better come to the podium. Mr. Balin says, quote, I think I'd better too, Your Honor. I've sat and listened until we got to the point where I realized there's a public access issue here. Your Honor, I'm Robert Balin from Davis Wright Tremaine. Thank you very much. He says, there is no credible claim that this client's mere identity is attorney-client privileged information. Michael Cohen makes the argument that it would be embarrassing to be associated with what he terms a raid on a house at a home. Your Honor, I hardly need to remind the court of the intense public interest in the issues that are currently before this court. I look around and I see that every other seat is occupied by a member of the press. Ultimately, however, Your Honor rules, excuse me, ultimately, however Your Honor rules, the public is going to want to know the basis for Your Honor's ruling. That's the very nature of the First Amendment access right, so that we the people and the press can monitor our institutions and have a rational basis for agreeing or disagreeing. And I hesitate to add, Your Honor, that I suspect no matter how you rule, those in the public will agree or disagree. That's what we do in society. Finally, Your Honor, I would make one last point. It was Justice Berger who I think put it well. People in our open society do not demand infallibility from their institutions but it is difficult for them to accept what they are prohibited from observing. That was in Winston Newspapers v. Virginia many years ago. Your Honor, I see no basis for denying public access. If Your Honor is going to order disclosure of this name, I see no basis for denying public access to that name. Drama. So we get this new character in the middle of the... The guy just pops up. Hey, Your Honor, can I be heard here? This is the lawyer for news organizations coming in and pressing this point. The judge at this point has basically agreed that she's going to take the name in a sealed envelope. The lawyer for the press comes in and says, if you're going to take that name, there's no good argument. There's no good legal precedent for keeping that name from the public. The secret name of Michael Cohen's secret third client in his legal business. If that's going to be disclosed to the court, it should be disclosed to the people. And they go on in the transcript. They argue about it for a few more pages at that point. But ultimately, the judge makes the call right there in front of everybody in the courtroom today, which leads to everybody in the courtroom gasping. Quote, the court, said the judge. Quote, I just don't understand the argument that just because this undisclosed client consulted Michael Cohen, that that is somehow embarrassing or an invasion of privacy. That's not enough under case law, and I don't understand it factually. I understand that the client doesn't want his name out there, but that's not enough under the law. Mr. Harrison, arguing for Mr. Cohen. I understand, Your Honor. We understand, Mr. Cohen, and frankly, derivatively, our ethical obligations to be as we laid them out on our letter of 10 a.m. But if the court disagrees and rules against us, we'll do whatever the court directs us to do. 
and then the judge says, quote, I'm directing you to disclose the name now. Steve Ryan, representing Michael Cohen, stands up and says, do you want me to stand and say it? Or should I give you the piece of paper that you told me to write? The judge says, whatever you're most comfortable with. Whereupon Steve Ryan, representing Michael Cohen, says, quote, the client's name that's involved is Sean Hannity. And the judge says, thank you. Uh, NBC reporter Tom Winter's report from inside the courtroom at that point, I'll just read you what, his, what he, he sent us, like a, a dispatch from the court. Quote, when Steve Ryan, attorney for Michael Cohen, disclosed the name of the mysterious third client, Sean Hannity, those gathered in the courtroom gasped. The mouths of reporters dropped open. Some struggled not to laugh. I still am struggling not to laugh. This has been a very weird day in the news. One of the anchors at the major pro-Trump news network has had an undisclosed relationship with the president's lawyer all this time, while Fox has not told that to its audience, and while Mr. Hannity and Mr. Cohen have apparently spent considerable effort trying to keep that relationship secret. What? That's just lurid. But then there's also the matter of this ongoing legal proceeding, which does appear to be freaking the president out. Here's my questions. Is there good reason for the president to be freaked out, for the president to be more concerned about this legal matter involving Michael Cohen than he is about the Mueller investigation? I mean, the president did succeed last week in finally hiring a new lawyer, but he hired that new lawyer for this Michael Cohen case, not for the Russia investigation. So that's one question. Is the president right to be as alarmed by this case as it seems like he is? Second question. Now that prosecutors got all this material from Michael Cohen with a search warrant, how much does it matter if they now have to show that material to the president and or Michael Cohen? That's what the bulk of today's fighting was about. Now that they've got all that material seized by search warrant, how important is it if it goes to the president and Michael Cohen in addition to prosecutors being able to review it themselves? And how important is it to this case and to the president's potential legal jeopardy here? If prosecutors are right, and Michael Cohen may have a law degree, but he isn't really doing much lawyering these days, how crucial is that to how much trouble the president might be in here? All answerable questions, it turns out. Stay with us. Hey there, I'm Chris Hayes from MSNBC. Thanks for watching MSNBC on YouTube. If you want to keep up to date with the videos we're putting out, you can click subscribe just below me. Stephen Colbert. Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, batten down the hatches, because there is more news in tonight's Stormy Watch. Yeah. There is ongoing troubles for the man who paid off Stormy Daniels, New York attorney and sad neck with hair, Michael Cohen. <laughs> Cohen, who is Trump's lawyer, was in court today with his lawyer. Pro tip for the president, when your lawyer needs a lawyer, you need a lawyer. <laughs> now, Boy. We, that's a maxim. It sounds classier in Latin. Oh, yeah, yes. We already knew that Cohen represented Donald Trump and paid hush money to cover up his affairs. And last week it was revealed his second client was deputy RNC finance chair and Donald Trump flattened out by a rolling pin. <laughs> Elliot Brody. Now, Cohen 
Cohen helped Broidy pay $1.6 million in hush money after Broidy had an affair with a Playboy Playmate. And not the same Playboy Playmate that Donald Trump had an affair with. That's two Playboy Playmates now. I'm, I'm just glad Hef isn't alive to see his life's work dragged through the filth like this. He really... I read the articles. Oh, yeah, yeah, just the articles. I read the articles. Now, it was revealed... All right, welcome to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Blog Talk Radio city of Chicago, the state of Illinois. Folks, we are in some trying times. We are in some dark times. We must fight for an America without hate. We must fight for an America without bigotry. We must fight for an America without racism. We must fight for our rights. We must fight to continue to be Americans. Some of those rights are being threatened, taken away. But we have to get out here and fight the good fight. You know, and it has to be done, folks. It has to be in a non-vital way. Wow, we want to do things non-vitally. So let's go out and make our voices heard, fighting non-vitally. Stormy Daniels' lawyer predicts Trump will not make it, will not finish his term. That means he will not finish uh, his first term. Trump, uh, Stormy Daniels, sorry about that, folks. Stormy Daniels' lawyer predicts that Trump will not finish out his term. Well, I'm just seeing this on the on uh, the, the website here. Um, what is it? The Hill, I believe. It's a pretty reliable source. It used to be a Republican uh, uh, website, but I, I think they're, they fell out with Donald Trump and... <laughs> They're like me, independent right now. Anyway, it says Stormy Daniels' lawyers predict... I mean, I thought I was seeing double when I first saw this. Stormy Daniels' lawyers predict Trump will not make it through his term. That's very, very interesting. Okay, let's see what the article says. The article, uh, Stormy Daniels' attorney, Michael Avalanagy, Avenatti, okay, I'm pronouncing it wrong or correctly or or whatever, uh, predicted on CNN Thursday that... President Trump will not serve out his full term. Avenatti told host Nicole Wallace, no one believed him when he said that Trump's personal lawyer, Michael Cohen, would be under criminal investigation. And his next prediction is that the president won't serve four full years. I don't think, I I, I totally agree with him. I don't think Trump is going to serve four full years as president. You know, I, you know, I, I really don't. He may make it to the midterms. He may make it to November 2018. The mid- I still don't think he's going to finish out. It's too much shit surrounding this guy. He's got to, there's garbage on top of garbage coming out every day about something salacious. Uh, Donald Trump and his, he and his lawyers are denying it. They're denying what is true. So I agree with him. I don't think, I agree with Stormy Daniels' lawyer. And I'm pretty sure a lot of uh, Americans do too that, Donald Trump will not make it through his first term. A lot of us don't think he's going to make it to the midterms in a few months. 
You know, and I, <laughs> I don't think he's going to make it through the midterms. And if he does, uh, he's going to be solely, slow, solely weakened, and he will be impeached by the Democrats if they uh, don't get weak on us. They might get weak on us and decide not to impeach Trump, you know, but, you know, so uh, he will be weakened, especially if the uh, if the Democrats take the House and the Senate, not just the House of Representatives, but the uh, U.S. Senate also. Uh, Trump will be weakened, you know, but somewhat, but not too much weakened because Basically, what Trump is doing now to destroy the country is with executive orders. He's taking nothing to the floor. He there he has nothing legislative uh, to accomplish except for the tax um, reform bill that they passed a few months ago. Other than that, his damages to the country has been with executive orders. He just signed some stuff and voila, it's law. But just like Trump signed stuff into law, just like he tries to undo Obama with every executive order that he signs, uh, the next president, the Democratic president or independent president comes in, they can undo everything that Trump has done. Everything, and that's why I tell people all the time, stop worrying. Yeah, Trump is destroying America. He's messing up democracy. He doesn't give a damn. He doesn't care. He doesn't care about no one, but the, give it give it uh, a few months when the midterms, when November gets here and we vote these scoundrels out, and then we can start uh, turning uh, the country around again, making America truly great again, because Trump is out to destroy it. I mean, with all of this, these investigations, Stormy Daniels, uh, uh, spanking allegations, <laughs> peeing on each other, peeing on each other allegations. If you, if you listen to Comey, wow, this is just madness. I mean, Trump and his goons have actually destroyed the White House. The White House is in tatters now. People are saying Trump is a mob boss. I've been saying that for the last six or seven months that he was the godfather inside of the White House. Mean, nasty, vile, yelling, screaming, firing people at whim, uh, tweeting like he's a mad person. I mean, you never see nobody tweet the way Donald Trump tweets. This guy is guilty. Whatever it is that comes out, he's guilty because he acts guilty. He, he, he acts guilty. He knows he's guilty. So he, he's hiring all of these lawyers to keep his ass out of jail, to keep his ass in the White House. And I'm like uh, Stormy Daniels' lawyers. I don't think he's going to make a make it a full term. I mean, I think I don't even think he's going to make it to the uh, midterms. It's just too much, and so many people out here are afraid. Well, he's he might dance out under it. He 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 gets away with a lot of stuff. Yeah, I agree. He does get away with a lot of things, but this is just too much garbage surrounding him for him to just tap toe tiptoe his way out of this with all these lawyers. Now, these aren't the, the lawyers that Trump has around him, has around him, excuse me, the lawyers that Trump has around him now, they are not the top in the country. Top lawyers in the country, they refuse to work with him. 
they don't want to they don't want anything to do with Donald Trump because they know Donald Trump is on a sinking ship and they refuse to jump on it. But Giuliani, he jumps on a sinking ship because he wants to he wants to be on TV. He's basically a Trump surrogate. He's going to go around cable television, radio shows, giving all kinds of interviewing, giving all kinds of interviews, disparaging uh, the investigation, disparaging uh, special counselor uh, Robert Mueller. That's all he's hired to do is to be another Trump mouthpiece. No matter how embarrassing and how much Trump lies, no matter how much he embarrassed the country, this guy is out there to say um, he's a great president. And I'm also hearing that the countries of the world, uh, the leaders around the world have lost hope in Trump. They, they're, start, they're starting to ignore Trump. Yeah, the leaders around the world are, are starting to ignore Trump. The hell with Trump. <laughs> That's what they're saying. The hell with Trump. Yeah. And uh, so Trump has focused his fire on America. He has focused his fire on the American people. I've said it for uh, so many times that he has a war with the people of his own country. He has a war with his own FBI. He has a war with his own Department of Justice. These people are Republicans, and they can't stand him. Uh, one of the things Trump hasn't learned is that you don't fight with your own people, and that's what he's doing. Because you, if you fight with the FBI, you bully the FBI, you taunt the FBI, you disparage the FBI, they're coming after you. They're going to say, you guys think we're a bunch of wimps. You think we're a bunch of spineless assholes, but we're not. We've got a warrant. We're going to raid the White House. And that's, 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 that is what may happen next, a raid on the White House. A, way, a raid on Mar-a-Lago. This is what Trump, <laughs> this is what the uh, Trump team, uh, they're afraid of. They're afraid of. And they're also afraid of Michael Cohen, Donald Trump's lawyer, flipping on him. I mean, you know, uh, turning, it, turning in evidence on him to the FBI. They're afraid of that. Michael Cohen said, I'm not going to jail. I'm not going. If I'm if I got to go to jail, I'm going to tell on everybody, including Donald Trump. So this is not over. This is not over by a long shot. This is better than the movie of the week or the. <laughs> I mean, this is just. I mean, writers are going to have a great time with this crap i mean there's a there there are millions of writers out here right now all around the world focusing on the donald trump uh uh mess focusing on america and donald trump and and the republicans and they're writing their asses off they're trying to get books like uh they're trying to get they want they want to get those big sales 
of their books, like James Comey and Michael Wolff. And these two books are about the uh, about Trump negative uh, is negative on Trump, and um, they're selling like hotcakes. One of the reasons there's one of the reasons these books are selling like hotcakes is because because of Trump himself. Every tr- every time Trump goes on TV and put these books down, they're lying. That's not true. Somebody goes out and buy it because we know that Trump is the main liar, uh, pathological liar, if I should say. But anyway, uh, there's lots of writers, including myself, who are uh, – I'm writing about this administration. I'm not interviewing anybody or at the time, uh, but I'm, I'm writing. I'm writing what's, you know, what's, what's coming out of this administration every day. I don't think I need to interview anybody. Uh, but it's nonfiction. It's about this administration. I'm pretty sure there's a lot of other writers out there who are doing the same thing. All we're doing is sitting back and waiting is what else to see what else comes out of this administration and then documenting it, documenting it, you know, writing it down, you know, <laughs> step by step by step, you know. And I can't see myself really writing anything else because this is America and we have to have to um, – uh, do what we can to try to save it, because Donald Trump is not trying to save it, and and you have the Republicans in the office who are just sitting back and letting this guy have his way with America. Yeah, they are just sitting back, have, letting. I mean, they are complicit as hell. And I hope when Mueller's investigation is final, I hope not only Donald Trump goes to jail, but a lot of these assholes in Congress start wearing handcuffs and leg irons and be uh, pulled out of the Capitol, uh, the Capitol building in Washington, getting into the uh, uh, paddy wagons. Because I do believe there's a lot of them. I do believe there's a lot of uh, people in Congress who are just as guilty as Donald Trump. That that's why they're trying to, trying to shield him. That's why they, they're not doing anything to try to impeach him for uh, obstruction of justice, breaking the laws of the Constitution to the United States because they're crooks themselves. There is no doubt about it. They are crooks themselves. All right, the George Wilder Jr. Show is now on the air, making the world a better place one show at a time. Hate, lies, have no home here. Be nice to one another out there, folks. Be nice. Don't argue. Don't bitch. Don't, Don't fight. Don't do any of these things. It's not it's not American, okay? And good people will be guided by honesty. Leave comments as always. And, you know, check out my – I am a writer. Uh, of course, you can find my stuff on Amazon. Check it out. Uh, you know, it's, it's a, lot, a lot of things up there that I've done. So check it out. It's, it's good stuff. You know, I was on Facebook the other day, and I was, I, I, I was skimming past – I was – strolling past this post and I came up on this particular post and it says, if you are a writer, how would you grade yourself? I thought that was interesting. And I was looking at so many responses and people were grading, giving themselves fours and fives and six. And I'm saying, wow, these are authors now. These are people who are published authors. Their stuff is everywhere. You can find it, but somehow they don't, they didn't think that they were actually good writers, you know. 
So uh, a lot of people, they were being honest. They said, well, I think I'm a six. I think I'm a five. And they were giving all kinds of why they were thinking that way. And I posted something uh, on that same uh, post down below. And I, and I said, my name is George Wilder Jr. And I think I'm a writer, I'm an author, and I think I'm a 10. <laughs> You know, not one, it was about maybe 10 or 15 people posting and not one of those folks who posted, who were authors said that they thought of themselves as, as being a 10. And I was shocked at that. You know, I, but I was the first one, maybe the only one who said, hey, wow, I'm an author and I think I'm a 10 as a writer. And the reason why I said that is because I believed that I think I think, why put yourself down? I mean, you, uh, these people were putting themselves down, lowering themselves. Why put yourself down? I mean, if you know what you're writing is good, if you know what you're writing is great, if you've gotten beautiful and wonderful responses from your writing from all around the world, you've got great reviews, why in the hell give yourself a six or a five or a four or even a seven for that matter? Because most authors, I think, I mean, most authors, I think, are, are, are good, good writers, you know. Uh, and I always tell people, don't put yourself down. Because if you put yourself down, other people are going to put you down too. Be the best at what you do. Do not belittle yourself. Do not put yourself down. I mean, even if you're not a uh, 10. Say you're a 10. I mean, because uh, you work hard on that book. You work hard on that story. I mean, you work hard. I mean, and it's something that you put every ounce of your blood, sweat, and tears into, you want to be considered a 10. You know, the other person who who may read what you write, they may not think it's a 10, but that's their problem. You think what you do is then always, always give yourself the best grade possible for whatever you're doing, especially if you love doing what you're doing and you put your heart and soul into it. You're a 10. You're not a five. You're not a four. You're not a six. You're a 10. You've, your writing is published. That means that you are an author. Millions and millions of people can't write. They can't. They don't have anything published. They don't have anything out there. But you do. But when I say people can't write, um, there's a lot of people with uh, high school degrees, college degrees, uh, even Ph.D. degrees who can't write a lick. I'm not saying you can't write. You couldn't write a letter, but I'm saying you can't write an actual book. There's millions of people who are smart as I don't as smart as I don't know what, but they can't write a lick. There's millions of people who read my books but will not give me a review because they can't write a review. They can't even say, "Hey, well, I love the book," and that's <laughs> that's all it takes. But anyway, getting I'm getting off the subject a little bit. Anyway, always whatever you do, always be the best of best at it. And make sure that you tell everyone else that you're the best at it. I mean, when you, if you want to go out there and say your book is a 10, uh, say it. 
it's not bragging on yourself. It just, you're just stating that you love what you do. You put your heart and soul into it. Other people have gave you great responses on it. And just say you're the best. This is the best. You're the best. Even though I may read your stuff, I may say, wow, this, is a, this guy is a seven. But at least he thinks he's the best. Because thinking you're the best will um, make you want to be the best, you know. Because if you keep writing, writing, and writing, you're going to get, every time you write, every time you write a book, the next book should be a little bit better than the one you've written before. That means when you write, you're getting better all the time as you write. If you've been writing for, um, I, I don't know, 5, 10, 15, 20 years, you know that you are a 10 because you've been writing for so long and every time you write, you've gotten better with, you've gotten better with time. This show is all about making the world a better place and this is making the world a better place because we want you, no matter what you do, you don't have to be a writer, you don't have to be an artist, uh, 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 an author, excuse me, you can be an auto mechanic. You can be a 10 as an auto. Whatever you do, think of yourself as being the best at it. Not second best, not third best, because you feel you're bragging. You have to have a high regard for what you do. Other people, if they don't have a high regard for what you do, don't pay them any attention because they don't know what you do. I mean, they may criticize your writing, but where is theirs? They have, they don't write, but they're criticizing you. Give me a break. And I've told people this before. Do not listen to other people who tell you that you can't do it, that uh, what you do is crazy or what you do is a hobby, especially if you're getting paid for it. I've had a, uh, a young lady tell me that her boyfriend uh, uh, said her writing was a hobby and she, and she took exception to that. She felt that by him saying that her writing was a hobby that he was putting her down. She may have been right, you know, you know, I mean, you don't, I mean, I don't think you should say if your writing is on Amazon and there's a price for, for somebody to pay for it, uh, that's not a hobby. That's somebody who's trying to belittle you, you know. So, and I'll say it again. I mean, I mean, and I, I think I've told her this. Uh, uh, he's trying to belittle you. He's trying to put you down. He's trying to say what you're doing is crazy. There's no money in it or, or whatever that you're wasting your time. Do not let other people uh, tell you what you can't do. If they're not supporting you, the first thing you have to do is get them out of your life because if you don't get them out of your life, they are going to bring you down. They're going to take you down. If you do not get negative people, those folks who do not support you or do not like you or do not like anything that you're doing and criticize everything you do, uh, you have to get them out of your life or they will bring you down. They will. And um, I, just, I just hate it. Be being an author myself, I hate it when people uh, 
put themselves down, especially when they're writers and they're authors and they're published writers and authors. And then they go around putting themselves down. I've, I've had people, um, I've asked people to come on the show. I mean, several times years ago and, and they would tell me that they didn't want to talk about their book. I said, you don't want to talk about your book. I think it's a good book. Yeah, but I don't want to talk about it. I said, what kind of publicity you're doing for the book? We're not doing any. Why in the hell did you write the book? Uh, it was fun. I just like to write. I said, why did you, if you don't want anybody to know about the book, why did you publish it? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I said, look, I have a radio show. I have an internet radio show. I would like you to come on and talk to my audience and tell my audience about your book. No, I don't want to do that. I said, why in the hell did you write the book in the first place if you don't want anybody to see the book? I've known people who would write, who, I mean, full manuscripts, they would write full manuscripts and stick it in the bottom of the drawer someplace. <laughs> and uh, they would never let anybody see what they're writing. I said, if you're going to write something, let the world see what you're doing so you can get some responses on it, some feedback, maybe even some writing help. But some people you can't reach, okay? You, some people you can't reach. But anyway, let me get back to saying that I'm a 10. A lot of people may disagree with me who have read my material, who have read my books and stories. George, you ain't no damn 10. Give me a break. In my mind, I'm a 10 because I've worked so hard on producing that, uh, those books, that material. And it's tough and it's fun. And I do think as I've, uh, I've been writing for years, so, and I do think I've gotten better uh, over the years. Um, and, and as I continue to write, I'm getting better and better and better with everybody out there with what I write. I know that. I, and I'm not trying to please everybody out there. The only person I'm trying to please when I write is myself. If I'm pleased with it, then I know that the people who purchase the book, read the book, download the book, they're going to be pleased also. But first, I have to be pleased with what I do. You know, if I'm not pleased with it, I'm not going to even publish it. I'm not going to even let you see it until I improve it and I am pleased with what I do because I'm very, very critical of myself. Uh, there's things that I've done in my books right now. A lot of times I don't like... When I, there are times when I really, really don't like, after I publish a book, after it's out there, <laughs> I don't really like to go back and read it. I don't want to read it. Once a book is published, I don't want, or, or a short story is published, I don't want to read it. I've done, I'm finished with it. I'm done. Let, let the public read it. And they can send me their thoughts later, right? <laughs> let the public read it. Because, uh, a fellow author told me this once, and I agree with her. She said that she didn't really like to read her stuff either after it was published. Because, you know, because when you're, when you're writing it, you're getting it, you're going over it, you're writing it, your three or four page manuscript or whatever, and you're writing it and you're going over it a thousand times and you're having someone else read it back to you and all this kind of thing. And it's perfect in your mind, so you publish it, and you uh, and you don't want to look at it again because it was such a hard 
project. <laughs> it was tough. So you won't look at it no more after it's published. You know, so it's up there. But uh, that's me in a nutshell. I mean, once I have something published up there, I don't want to go back and read it. But every now and then I would sneak peek a look at one of the, my books on Amazon. And I sometimes I'm proud of what I'm reading from one of the books. And then there's a time when I'm not so proud. I said, well, this could have been said a little bit better. Oh, that's a mistake right over there. I should have changed that. Oh, there's too many commas here. That's one of the reasons why sometimes I don't like to uh, go back and reread one of my books because I'm afraid that I'm going to find a lot of discrepancies there. The public may not see a discrepancy. The person who downloads and buys a book may not see a, that particular discrepancy, but I, as a writer, I can see it. I know it's not supposed to be there. I know that sentence could have, be, could have been said a different way. I know that quote could have been said a different way or a much better way. You know? So I don't really like reading. Once I publish something, it's there because I've gone over it a thousand times. I've, I've, I've edited and all of this kind of stuff, formatted it, and I've gone over it a thousand times. It's been read back to me so I can listen for mistakes and glitches. So, and then after all of that is correct and taken care of, you know, and I finally find a cover or something like that, and I get a title and I put it and I just publish it because it's great, but it's great. It's a great sounding book. However, I go back to uh, five months later and start reading that same book, you know, I'm saying, wow, what happened here? <laughs> you know, I said, I, you know, so a lot of writers are like that. You know, a lot of writers are like that. They don't like to reread their stuff after it's published. But, you know, sometimes you have to. Stephen King, he said that, um, there's nothing wrong with brushing up, updating um, your writings from years ago if they're on Amazon. And I do that. A lot of times I will do that. I, was, I will um, go on Amazon, pick out a book or a story and read it and, and look for discrepancies or look for ways to update that story and, um, or to better write it, better format it, better produce it. And re-publish uh, it again. You know, that's nothing wrong with that. That's nothing wrong with that. All right, you've been listening to the George Wanda Jr. Show on Block Talk Radio. It's 725 in the city of Chicago. Um, kind of cold. <laughs> we're, near, we're living near the lake, but I don't think the lake has anything to do with this. It's just not uh, springtime as it should be. And I, I railed about this the other day. All right, we're going to be... We are going to be off for the next three or four days um, to get some writing done. I'm, I'm working on three projects, three or four projects. And one of the projects that I talked about that I'm working on is um, a political, a novel, not a short story, not a novelette, but this is going to be a novel, a nonfiction novel about the Trump administration. I mean, everybody's doing it, so why not the George Wilder? junior show i'm gonna do it um i've got about uh i think uh, thirty thousand words so far i believe 
So it's coming, <laughs> but the book will not be released until after the midterm, the midterm, sorry, after the midterms or around 20, um, 2019, I'm, and I'm doing two other stories. So uh, maybe two or three other stories along with that. Um, uh, I just love writing. I think it's a great, a great thing. And um, um, it's sad to, to kind of hear that so many writers are not making it. So many writers are, their books are just sitting and dying on Amazon because there's too many writers out here and too many authors out here who are not pushing their books. It could be anything. Maybe they don't have the money to, to, to hire a publicity uh, agent or, or firm or something like that. I can understand that. But they're not pushing their books at all. There's too many people that I know on Facebook and LinkedIn who are authors, great writers. I've, some of the stuff they've written, I've read. But they will not push their book. They will not talk about their book. They don't want to go on any show to talk about that book, which, which, which I think is crazy. You know, and I've talked to so many authors. I'll say, how's your book doing? Oh, it's not doing too well. Well, it's not doing too well because it's, there's something you're not doing. You're not doing. Now, see, I'm on Facebook, and there's a lot of authors on Facebook, and I rarely see any of those authors on Facebook uh, especially the ones that I think are I'm kind of close to, kind of close to, they're not pushing their work. They're not pushing their work. And uh, it's sad. It's sad that you're not pushing your work. Why would you want to, you have, a, I don't care if your book is 10 years old. If it's on Amazon and it's available, push it, advertise it, let people know it's there. You don't let people know your book is there. Nobody's going to, it's going to sit there and rot. You have to let you, well, my book is on Amazon. I have a book on, on uh, Barnes and Noble, uh, books a million, I have books all over the place. I say, yeah, but nobody knows about it. The only you, the author knows about your book. One of the things I've learned is that if you want to get your book noticed online, you got to constantly keep it in people's face. Faces. You have to constantly keep it in their faces. Even if they get tired of looking at the book, keep it there. And even if people don't go by your website and buy the book, at least they know it's there. It's getting some attention. Because you never know. I mean, Hollywood could come, <laughs> not Hollywood could come banging down your door and say, hey, wow, <laughs> we want to make a movie out of your book or your story. You never know. So, Whatever you do, do not call yourself a 10. I mean, excuse me, do call yourself a 10. Do not call yourself a four or five or six as a writer, as a published writer. You're always a 10 because you love what you do. All you have to do is just make other people love what you do. Say that again. You love what you do. And by you loving what you do, that will make other people love what you do. And you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show. We've got how many more minutes? Six more minutes into the show. Okay. <laughs> All right. We, like, as I've said, I'm going to do some um, writing for the next three days. And you guys want to listen to the George Wilder Jr. Show. There's plenty of podcasts on here. Plenty of things to listen to on the George Wilder Jr. Show. Right here on Blog Talk Radio, podcasts all over the place. You know what? I don't like to call them podcasts, but other people are calling them podcasts. 
and people are podcasting all over the place. They're having their, some parents are getting their children pod, to podcast. And it's, it's a great thing. Podcasting is great because a lot of, just like myself, a lot of podcasters are advertising their own uh, books or whatever they're selling or talking about on their own podcast show. But some people, a lot of uh, people don't have uh, radio shows or internet radio shows like I do because a lot of them feel that they can't talk or they don't know much about nothing. So they don't get a, um, they don't get themselves a podcast. I would say, hey, get yourself a radio show. Uh, Get yourself a radio show. (laughs) There is something you can talk about, even if it's fixing hair or cutting hair or making pizza. (laughs) <laughs> get yourself a pot. You, you never know uh, the people that you might pull in, you know. But one of, one of the things about getting a radio show, though, do not expect a radio show like this one, the Internet radio show, or in some cases, any radio show or podcast. Uh, don't expect instant success. It's going to take years. Uh uh, for you to get any kind of uh, success out of podcasting or internet radio show hosts, because people have to, people have to find you, and it's not easy uh, having someone to want to listen to you for two or three hours, especially if you're not talking about anything, you know. So, yeah. So that's it. So always give yourself a ten. I mean, no matter what you do, if you like what you do, if you're cutting hair, selling pizza. Sweeping the streets, dumping garbage. If you like what you do, if, if if that's what you want to do, give yourself a ten at it and be the best that you can be at what you do. You know, because this is your life, and you have to make you happy. And always get the naysayers out of your life. Uh, get rid of the people who do not support you. Get rid of the people who trying to bring you down or telling you that you can't make it or telling you what you telling you what you're doing is crazy when you know that it's not crazy. Most of the time, the people who are trying to uh, 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 belittle you, bring you down, disparage you, most of, the, most of the time, these people have no lives of their own. They have no life of their own because if they did have a life of their own, they would not be uh, so busy trying to destroy, destroy your life.
lay me down Before I go to sleep In a troubled world I pray the Lord to keep Keep hatred from the mighty And the mighty from the small Monday with more great guests, more great fun, more great talk, more great motivational speaking. I want to thank everybody for listening. I do appreciate your time. I do appreciate you taking uh, uh, this out of your uh, busy, busy, busy day to tune into the George Wilder Jr. Show. And you guys, be if you're driving out there, be careful, all right? Uh, be careful. All right. Uh, we're off the air. We will be back on Monday from 6 p.m. to 7.30 p.m., maybe 8 o'clock. Who knows? If we're having fun, we'll do it for a longer period of time. All right. Bye-bye, everybody. Have a great day. Have a great weekend, whichever one comes first.